Obviously, he worked a lot on his physical muscles. Well, we need to build our faith muscle. And it's a lifelong journey of building our faith in God and really trusting in Him. Of course, you know how it goes. You work with weights and uh, you strain them to the point of actually tearing them. And then you wait a day or so till they heal. And then you do that again and again and again. And of course, that's how your muscles get stronger. So if you want your faith in God to grow stronger, if you want to have a desire to trust Him in everything, you've got to exercise your faith. And that's what we're going to explore today as we continue in our series, Jesus Christ, Disciple Maker. Looking at how He made disciples and especially focusing in on Peter. And as a part of this, I would love to have you Take out this green insert, which is the message notes, and look at the back. Look at the back. One of the things that we want to do as we move through our disciple-driven initiative is to start thinking in a totally different way. As we've talked about before, when we think about spiritual growth, typically we're thinking about ourselves. What we want to do is we want to transform the way we think through the Spirit's power to always be thinking about others as well. So the question is, who are you discipling? You might not even think about it as discipling, but actually it is. most common example would be uh, children that you have at home. You're discipling those children. You're raising them to know Jesus Christ and to walk in a vital and meaningful relationship with Him. So maybe you want to put the name of one of your kids down, or there's mutual discipleship that happens in a marriage. Maybe you want to put your spouse down, or maybe you have a friend that you're spending time with talking about spiritual things. But as you go through this message, I want you not only to be thinking about how you can apply this to your life, but also to someone else's life. Now, sometimes you listen to a message, yeah, I know that, I know that, but it's a whole different framing of your thought when you think, okay, I know this, but how can I encourage my child, my friend, my spouse in helping them to grow, to understand this better? So, let's return uh, to uh, Jesus Christ's ministry. And again, he's gaining in popularity because the crowds love his teaching. They love the miracles that he does. And in Matthew chapter 14, we see that Jesus Christ fed 5,000 men and probably 25 to 30,000 men and women. So, <laughs> that's incredible. Back in that day, food was not just like, okay, no big deal. We have money. We have food. Now, the majority of us don't have to worry about that. We have food in our pantries, food in our refrigerator, food in our cars, we have food everywhere, but as exhibited yesterday, there are a lot of families that don't have the resources to buy food, and we're so grateful that we can reach out to them and show uh, the love of Jesus Christ in a very practical way. But again, in that day, they were farmers, and uh, they were poor, and so therefore food was very important, and what Jesus Christ did by providing this 
unbelievable meal that just kept coming and coming. It was like going to the golden corral when you talk about the abundance of food uh, that he gave them. There was leftover food after serving 25 to 30,000 people. Well, it was at this point where the crowd over a period of time had realized this is the guy we want. This is the guy we want as our leader. He is the one who can free us from Roman oppression. So another account of this story is found in John 6, another in Mark 5. We'll be looking at Matthew 13. It says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. I mean, these people were at a frenzy pitch. They were ready to carry him off. And Jesus Christ knew that. So he dismissed everyone. Verse 22 of Matthew 14, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now you can imagine the disciples, they again were looking at Jesus Christ as a political Savior, just like the crowd was. And they were thinking, okay, this is it. As they, they heard the people crying out, hey, let's, let's make him king. They were saying, oh, finally, finally. They've been arguing over who was going to be, what positions in the cabinet, and who was going to be the vice president. And they said, now's the time. Now's to grab this, this opportunity. And what does Jesus Christ do? He says, go home. Now, they're probably pretty disappointed and disillusioned at this time. And he told them to go across the Sea of Galilee. Verse 23, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When everything came, he was there alone. This always uh, inspires me. <laughs> if Jesus Christ, the God-man, the second person of the Trinity, needed community, time with God, praying for God's resources here on earth, how much more do I need that time alone with God as a disciple? Moving on to verse 24, But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So Jesus Christ said, Go, and He knew there was a storm coming. He said, Go across the Sea of Galilee. And they went. They obeyed Jesus Christ. Now, you think at some point they would have realized this is not working. <laughs> but no, they obeyed. And what was Jesus doing? Well, I believe, we don't know for sure, but I believe He was praying for them. He was praying for the disciples because He had sent them into a test. Testing their faith in Him. Jesus Christ is always praying for us. Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What's the burden you have in your life right now? Well, what's the struggle? What's the challenge? Did you know that Jesus Christ is praying for you to the Father? That He's interceding. He's the go-between. He's saying, help Dan, help Jim, help Bill, 
in this area of their lives. Isn't that beautiful? It's illustrated as we had read a couple of weeks ago in Luke 22 when he said to Peter, and he used the name Simon, you know what that means, right? <laughs> Simon was going in the wrong direction. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might shift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you. Jesus is praying for you. Matthew 14, 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, that was around 3 to 6 a.m., He came to them walking on the sea. Just imagine Jesus Christ. It wasn't like He was running. Now, I would be running. I mean, if, if, if a group of leaders were really struggling and really terrified, well, I'd be running. But Jesus Christ was just kind of walking along. In fact, there's some thought that maybe he was just going to keep walking unless he called, they called out to him. <laughs> uh, verse 26, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Now, not only had they been battling this storm for who knows how many hours, let's say five hours, they've been battling this storm and they're experienced fishermen and they maybe thought they were going down, but they kept battling and battling. And the most interesting thing is that they were obeying Jesus. They could have easily turned back, but they were obeying Jesus. They were doing what he said. Jesus intentionally sent them in to that storm. So their nerves are fried. They're on edge. They're already filled with fear. And all of a sudden they see a ghost and it's not Casper. In that day there were evil spirits that were said to be roaming the waters when things were not going well. So they saw this is a very, very bad sign. And it just took their fear to a whole new level. So here's my question. Why would Jesus Christ, their friend, their God, why would He send them into a terrible storm? Why? Because He wanted to build their faith muscle. He wanted to show them that they could depend upon Him. Now, we look at James 1 and 2, a very familiar passage to all of us. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy when you have a new problem that crops up in your life. That's not a jump up and down joy. That's... That's a joy, a deep-seated satisfaction knowing that if I walk through this valley with Jesus and I put my faith in Him that I'm going to become stronger on the other side, that, that I am going to have an experiential faith. Now, we can study faith. We can read all of the verses on faith in the Bible. 
But unless we actually exercise that muscle, unless we actually take that step of faith of saying, I have no idea what's going to happen. This is way, way out of my control. But I'm going to trust you, Jesus. That's when you're exercising that muscle. And that's why God allows trials into our life. Now, we don't like to hear that. Because when we hear about trials, when we hear about challenges in our life, we just want to get rid of them. That's our goal. What's the quickest way I can resolve this problem? But you've got to frame it up different. Because this is what God is saying. (laughs) The reason He allows these into our lives is so that we might express our faith in Him in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the depression. We need to express faith in Him. And I'm thinking about these disciples. You know, they are uh, they're struggling all night. They're so tired. They're so fatigued. They think this might be the end. And then they see... An evil spirit. I mean, why, why, why would God allow that? Because He was testing their faith. And I know all of us have one or more situations in our life and we're saying, what's the deal here, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Some of us have chronic illnesses that will last until we die. There's never really going to be an answer. Now, again, God could bring supernatural healing, but we don't know. The point is, is that we're going to have to live with this illness, and we're going to have to cope with it through the power of Jesus Christ and continue to trust in Him. We don't like that, though. We don't like pain. We don't like discomfort. We don't like not being able to do the things we want to do. We don't like all the things that those things bring. But the point here is that you count it all joy when you're tested by God because it's going to bring into your life the holiness that He desires in you. The practical holiness of experientially building your faith Not just something you study about, but something you really realize. And I'll tell you what, friends, in the midst of the pain that you're going through right now, you can learn things about God that you would never learn on easy street. That really is the beauty of pain, is that we have to put our faith in God to such a degree that we know Him more deeply And we trust Him more than if that had never come into our life, that particular trial. Well, we go on here, Matthew 14, 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart, be of good courage. I am here, do not be afraid. You know, it's interesting when you're dealing with a long-term problem. Let's say you have a marital issue that you've been struggling with for years and years There are times when God shows up. There are times when you see Him at work. Now then again, you might go through a valley again where you feel God's not there. 
He's distant. What's going on here? But then again, he'll show up in a particular way. Now, this is why it is so critical for all of us, in whatever way we prefer, to keep some type of faith journal. Some type of thanksgiving journal, whether it be on your smartphone or whether it be on note cards or whether it be uh, on your wall at home. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But you gotta, you got to put it down when God shows up. you got to write it down when God is faithful. Because we forget so easily. When we're in the midst of a, a tough issue and, and nothing seems to be going our way, we need to go back to that list of God's faithfulness. And we need to look back and say, oh yeah, He did that. Oh yeah, He healed that relationship. Oh yeah, He provided, me, uh, provided for me financially. I keep a Thanksgiving journal that I try to review because I need that encouragement. I get discouraged and I have to go back and look and say, oh, wow, yeah, God is faithful. I, I'm reminded of how I've, I've strengthened this muscle in the past and how God has come through. And even though I don't feel God, even though God seems to be against me, of course, that is not true in any sense of the word. Uh, that's the way I feel. So I need to remind myself of God's goodness. Well, let's take a look at that. Matthew 14, 28. We'll skip a couple of slides. Matthew 14, 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. <laughs> uh, Well-known story here. Right? Now, why? Why in the world did Peter want to walk out to Jesus? I mean, here he has been trying to survive all night long. I mean, sometimes he had a tough time surviving on a boat. <laughs> Why would he want to walk on water out to Jesus? And, of course, all kinds of people said, well, you know, he was a grandstander and he was as bold or he was impulsive or he was impetuous. It was just good old Peter making a stupid decision. <laughs> I don't think so. I think what was happening in Peter's life is that you've you got to remember these disciples were hanging out with Jesus and every day they were seeing miracles. Every day they were seeing demons cast out. Every day they were hearing the very words of God. And Peter... And Jesus had a very close relationship. So, if you consider it in that context, this is all part of the journey with Peter. And so he sees Jesus Christ out there. And he wants to be with Jesus. He, he wants to walk out there. He, he just feels prompted. Uh, you're walking on water. Certainly you can make me walk on water. I've seen a lot of things, and I'm sure you probably could take care of this one. That, that's how strong his faith was, which speaks of the other disciples that their faith probably wasn't that strong, partly personality 
related maybe, but <laughs> the point is, is that he had the faith. He said, yeah, well, hey, can I come out there? It's like, no big deal, right? I, I see this stuff all the time. Jesus certainly can help me walk on water. If he's doing it, he can help me do it. That's how, you see, that's how strong his faith was. And you see, as your faith grows, you'll be amazed at just to say, oh, yeah, God will take care of that. When other people are going, what do you mean God will take care of that? Because it's got a little, you know, weak and wimpy faith muscle because they haven't used it, right? But, you know, you have been, through the power of the Spirit, exercising that faith muscle, and therefore it doesn't seem <laughs> as big a deal. So you've got to realize we're all at different, different points in our spiritual growth. For example, some might be toddlers. You know, and uh, therefore, or even younger than that, you know, they, they take a step, and that's great progress for them. And then they fall maybe another two feet, so they mark it there. Okay, <laughs> three feet. <laughs> but you know, what happens is they develop confidence in their body. They develop confidence in themselves. I can actually do this. I can actually walk around. Now it's not this smooth initially. But at the same time, eventually they get to this point, and it's the same thing with faith. You know, we're kind of like toddlers taking steps of faith, running into things, and you know, we, keep, we keep running out of faith. But the point is, is that our faith grows. We can go farther and farther. So what did Christ said in verse 29? He said, come, come. So Jesus Christ wouldn't have said come if this was something foolish Peter was doing, if it was wrong in any sense. He's saying, sure, come on out, Peter. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I don't know what that first step was like, but as I've reflected upon it, I think it was a step of confidence. Like, hey, Jesus gave the go-ahead. I, I asked him first. If, if it's your command, because I'm not going out there on my own, okay, you've got to tell me you're going to back me up here. Though, like, walking through the water, you know, waves, wind, you know, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's trusting in Jesus. But the problem was, is that G, or excuse me, uh, Peter's faith was only so strong. His muscle was only so strong, so he didn't have the faith muscle to get him all the way there. <laughs> you know, at one point he's going like, whoa, what's going on here? Wait, what am I doing? Have I lost my, you know, he starts to doubt. His faith muscle is not going to carry him all the way there. So he, uh, uh, verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? You think Jesus is saying there, Oh, come on, Peter. Give me a break. You made it you know, 75% of the way here, and you're just such a great disappointment. No. No. He's saying the same thing he always said to the disciples. Ye of little faith. <laughs> now grow your faith. Have the Holy Spirit grow your faith. And uh, 
Peter went as far as he could in a sense with his faith muscle that the Holy Spirit had cultivated in his life. And then he fell. And friends, just as you watch a toddler trying to walk, trying to maneuver through life, that's who you and I are. You know, we, we step out in faith. We, we trust in God. And then we eventually fall. But the more that we exercise that faith, the farther we go every time. You see, this is the beautiful thing about the Christian life and aging. Because certainly as you age, life becomes more challenging on many different levels. But if you are continually growing your faith throughout life, as you age, your, your faith is so much stronger to carry you through some of the most difficult things you go through in life. I believe that's the way God intended it. Verse 14 or 32, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. It's all stopped. Then verse 33, And those in the boat worshipped Him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This, this really was a turning point. We'll talk about more of this in the future. But this really was a turning point. Now again, it's the idea that they had called Him the Son of God before, like last week. But every time they said it, they said it with more conviction. I mean, with really a stronger belief because they really, really believed it. And that's the nature of growing in faith. Your faith becomes stronger and stronger. You look at John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist, when he was in prison, what was the question he asked Jesus Christ? He had his disciples say, are you really the Christ? John the Baptist, Jesus Christ said, was the greatest man that ever lived. And he doubted. Isn't that just the way we are? No matter how long we've walked with Jesus and all the things he's done in our life, we just continue to waver. Don't become discouraged about that. That's normal. You just have to remind yourself of what God has done. Pray to God that his Holy Spirit would empower you to do what you have not done in the past. Now, what I want you to do is take out the green sheet, and we're going to apply this to whoever you have chosen as a person that you're discipling. So, First Peter writes, Peter, and First Peter writes from his own experience, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire right now. Some of your faith is being tested by fire. You're going through a circumstance you've never realized before. It's creating more fear and anxiety than anything else in your life. Well, it's a test. And here's the beautiful thing. Even when we sin and we get ourselves in a jam, God in His grace turns that into a test. He said, oh, you, you got yourself under that one. <laughs> no, no, no. No. I want to help you. Of course, you know, forgiveness has already been given. But I want you to turn even uh, your sin into something beautiful in terms of 
what he does through that circumstance as you trust him. And here's the bottom line. Be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Friends, you are trophies of grace. And God's desire is that through his power that you would live out lives full of faith. In order that people will look at you and say, how in the world can they have that kind of attitude? How in the world did they get through that? It's not about you. It's about God. All the glory goes to Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. And finally, Hebrews 12, too. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who gives us the faith to come into relationship with Him. And then, throughout our lives, He perfects that faith through Bringing us through all these classes, all these challenges that we have in our life where we just turn to Him and put our faith in Him. And each time, our faith continues to grow. And it's only, friends, it's only if you frame it upright in a biblical way. I mean, if you have a challenge in your life and you're throwing pity parties and you're saying, God, why are you doing this to me? And all that kind of, and that doesn't change at all. I mean, you just, that's the way you think about it over a long period of time, you're wasting that test. And you're going to fail that test, and God's going to bring another test into your life. Right? You didn't pass the class. So, okay, next class, you're going to do it again. You're just not getting it. Oh, what a lovely, wonderful Heavenly Father we have. So, again, I would encourage you to fill uh, the questions out here for the person that you're thinking of what test in their life can you help them to see as a faith muscle builder. This is great with kids. You know, they say, oh, you know, this happened or that happened. And, and you reframe it biblically for them and say, you know what? God has allowed this in order for you to trust in him. Uh, how can you encourage them in this test? How can you speak into their lives? And how can you continue to to speak the Word of God, to give them Bible verses, to give them resources. And finally, how can you pray for them? Friends, again, <laughs> the most important person you can, the most important thing you can do for a person you're discipling is to pray for them. Pray daily for them. Several times a day for them. Because the Holy Spirit's doing the work. And the more you call, I believe, the more the Holy Spirit does. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful reminder of the nature of life. You know, we do everything we can to avoid problems. We do everything we can to help life go as smoothly as possible. And we're just so frustrated when you drop these tests in our lives. Lord, you're working against me here. <laughs> I want a happy life. <laughs> well, Lord, you want a life where we're continuing to grow more and more dependent upon you, where you are more and more the focus of our lives. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us. Not only help us, but help those people in our lives who are discipling. Help us to teach them 
that when a problem comes up at the appropriate time, maybe not initially, <laughs> but over time you say, you know what? God's trying to do a new work in your life. And you need to, to strengthen your faith, faith muscle through the power of the Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. We've got our ushers come forward at this time to gather our love gifts. Well, I want to welcome in uh, a member. Steve, why don't you come on up? Uh, Steve uh, Squatprito is uh, now a member of Springbrook Community Church. We're just welcoming him in. Some of the membership applications that we have here, or excuse me, the membership requirements, uh, are regular worship attendance, being with the body, encouraging each other, uh, small group involvement, you know, 